Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails? And units available in Tamaria near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Eight or seven is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovey. And uh, today we're going to talk about getting back to the basics and uh, I guess the funnier side of the job. We're going to try and take a little bit of a lighter look at some interesting stories that have happened over the past little while here. Um, I guess I'll kick it off. Uh, one of the things about getting back to the basics, and I think it's important for everybody, even you know ALS teams and BLS teams, to, to always try and uh, remember that we really have to start with the basics and until we can negate uh, uh, an issue or a circumstance, uh, we have to include that possibility as something which may or may not be the case. Uh, to find a little bit of what I'm talking about, last week we had uh, a pretty serious car accident. Um, it's like it's two intersections away from the town where I live and a number of uh, ambulances and volunteers all rushed to the scene. There was a, it was a two-car collision uh, it was a front head-on collision of two cars coming from one opposite directions. Uh, one person, uh, had a lot of, one, one of the drivers as well as had, uh, another passenger in the car. Both of them were bleeding. Uh, both of them had suffered, um, head injuries. There was a nice, uh, spiderweb, uh, formation on the windshield showing it was a high impact. Uh, and the other driver seemed relatively stable. Um, and... The ALS team uh, that got there looked at the three patients and sent uh, one of sent the driver who looked relatively stable to the BLS ambulance team to transport to the hospital and said we're going to deal with the uh, two two other people in the other car in the other vehicle uh, who were suffering head injuries and bleeding and seemed like they were the more serious cases and what ended up happening was and this uh, a friend of mine told me from the ambulance team said. Uh, she started asking the patient, uh, you know, the OPQRST scenario and going through all the, the questions start to finish and asked him, said, look, have you had any previous uh, medical conditions? And the driver who was in their 40s, um, relatively young guy, uh, said, yes, you know, I had, uh, I had a, a cardiac uh, or a heart attack, uh, a cardiac incident a few, a few years ago. I said, how long ago was that? I said, I'm in my 20s, about 20 years ago. And since then... He's gone through regular checkups. And she asked him, are you seeing a, a, a cardiac doctor, a cardiolo- cardiologist? Uh, I'm losing my English yeah, today. Yeah, Raphael. <laughs> I'm losing my English today. Um, said, have you seen a cardiologist recently? He said, no, I haven't seen a cardiologist recently. He said, okay. And she started doing uh, the vital signs and the checks, blood pressure, pulse, hooked him up to a monitor and saw that he's actually uh, having another... Uh, heart attack, or sort of in the middle of an MI right now. Uh, and it seemed what happened was that when he he lost control of his vehicle because he blacked out uh, due to his condition. Um, so she immediately called for another ALS transport um, and connected with that ALS transport. And then uh, the the dispatcher was like, why do you need another ALS transport? The, the paramedic of the scene already checked him out and said, well, they missed something and uh, small something, small something like an MI. <laughs> and that was the reason for the car accident. So, uh, you have to always keep aware of, uh, the situation you're in, but obviously there's something that may have caused that. So 
Gotta get back to the basics necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, actually, recently there have been a whole bunch of those. Just uh, I think it was last week there was a, an, an accident and a call comes out for an accident of a car that came down the street hitting a few cars and almost running over some pedestrians on the sidewalk. And on the arrival of the first scene, you know, they start assessing the patient. Um, and and quickly enough, uh, you understand that the, the cause of the accident was not... Uh, reckless driving. It was the fact that the driver is suffering a, 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 a massive heart attack or in many cases, which we've actually seen recently, is a sudden cardiac arrest on the wheel. Yeah. And w- which will lead to an MVA um, and, and not necessarily uh, when, when people call in, they don't understand immediately that, that this is what we're talking about. And when you get to the car accident, um, you need to understand through your uh, initial assessment is, okay, the problem here is not the orthopedic problem, rather the cardiac problem and things like that. So it's, it's very important to, 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 to go back to the basics and, and not take what you see uh, for, for granted. Like, okay, it's an MVA. We'll probably be talking about a neck injury, back injury or whatever, but, but really look at the patient and understand um, that the problem here is not um, the, the orthopedic issue. Correct. And I think there's another issue that which comes in when we're talking about car accidents that may have been caused by another condition uh, is another one is hypoglycemia, um, which often happens when people's blood sugar drops suddenly. They've been on the road for a long period of time. Their uh, insulin pump is already pumping that insulin for lunch, except and, they didn't make it to lunch yet. Correct. <laughs> and uh, they're, whatever the case happens to be, they, they sort of black out, lose consciousness or, or just, you know, get a little bit of too much fatigue. And whoop, you ended up with an MVA. So, and and of course, one of the I think one of the things that, uh, uh, which shouldn't be neglected, but often is, if you're talking about a case of trauma, is people testing blood sugar because um, you're, you're treating the injury, you're stopping the bleed, you're you know even if you you get the whole oral history in there, um, one of the things you have to check is still check the blood sugar because that may have been the cause of the situation. In which case, you have to treat the patient completely differently from what they're going through now. Now, obviously, in severe cases, you also be dealing with a combative patient, so it makes things a little bit more fun, as I'm sure Yeah, but that, that would be more of an indicator even to, to, do, to check that blood sugar because the this combative situation is, a, is very important to understand if we're not talking about uh, uh, diabetes, things like that, also differential diagnosis with a, with a stroke and others. We, we really try to um, stress the, the uh, blood sugar checking, the glucose check, to early as early as possible in the um, patient assessment um, to help us uh, create a, a more solid picture of the situation and understand what we're dealing with. All right, and we've seen that uh, in a lot of these cases, going back to the basics saves lives. It just there's there's no way around it. If you do things properly, you do take your your oral history, you go through the OPQRST, uh, and you check do the basic checks you'll end up saving the patient, getting a much broader picture of what's happening, and then hopefully be able to negate cer- certain conditions yeah, but and be able to treat the ones that you have. Don't, don't forget about your gut feeling. We spoke about this in previous episodes. We certainly did. <laughs> gut feeling is also important. Um, there's one other thing which I think is um, uh, is something to take into consideration, and that's the like, both, the, I guess, the mental status of your patient itself uh, and those in your various surroundings. Um, I had another story recently uh, which... Uh, it wasn't wasn't a, a severe trauma. It was a minor trauma, where I had a young boy who uh, uh, fell off of a, a bunk bed. Um, I'm personally against bunk beds. I don't believe in them. I refuse to have them. I won't let my wife. Well, get when them. you live in a small house, you don't have much choice. Valbo. I don't know. I found these like pull out beds, and one sort of folds up underneath the other, kind of like a trundle bed type situation. 
but I would not, I will not do bunk beds. I've, had, I've dealt with too many kids falling off bunk beds. Um, so I, I guess that's my own PTSD from those situations. You just had to put a big mattress on the floor. Always <laughs> yeah, oh, just leave one down there all the time. But you know, kids are good at missing things. Anyway, so this kid fell off a bunk bed and sustained a nice, uh, a nice gash on his nose. Uh, his face hit the hit the ground from what the the story told from the mother. And I arrived and I see the situation where the mother is sitting next to the son on a couch, seemingly calm. The son's screaming because he's in pain. And I asked the mother, I said, look, before I start treating your child, is there anything that I should know uh, about the child's condition? And she said, no, go feel feel free, start, start treating a child. And the child was not so uh, forthcoming because I was a stranger. I'm walking to the house. This is a young, young child. And, you know, he's bleeding from his nose rather profusely. And he keeps patting his own nose with his hands, which, um, you know, I wanted to basically go in and clean the wounds. Uh, it was a nice gash. It definitely needed stitches. Uh, and I tried to put a bandage on and it wasn't having it. So I made, I don't know if it was a mistake or a good thing. And it try, I tried to give the kid my phone. Not very smart, Rafael, when the smart. kid's hands are full of blood. The kid's hands are full of blood. And I, I give him my phone, which is which has a cover around the whole thing, uh, to watch a video to try and calm him down. And it worked a little bit. I was able to ban, I was able to at least clean the wound, even though it stung a little bit. He was He was a little bit focused. But then he looks up at me for a second, and I'm, I'm in full motorcycle regalia. And for me, that includes a bandana because, um, you know, I think bandana for me as a motorcyclist, uh, one of the reasons I think a lot of motorcyclists wear bandanas is, is to keep your helmet dry uh, from the sweat. It was a hot day. So sweating, so bandana collects the sweat, and it keeps your helmet dry. So I, can, I don't have to keep washing the helmet every day or so. Um, and I'm wearing a bandana. And in Israel, it's very customary for, for women to walk around with head coverings. Um, in certain groups of society. And this child's mother was wearing a head covering that looked similar to a bandana. And the child looked at me and said, why do you look like mommy? You're, you're a daddy. <laughs> I didn't quite know what to say with him. I said, so what do you mean? He said, you're wearing a bandana. Did you tell that kid that now we're day and age, you don't ask these questions? You don't ask those questions. <laughs> in I didn't general. Tell that kid. Kid's four years old, wasn't telling him that. And I basically, uh, I basically said, well, I wear the bandana because, to protect my helmet from, you know, getting wet. And he, he kept repeating the question over and over and over again. And at that point, I started worrying that maybe there's a head trauma involved, a uh, possible concussion scenario. And when the ambulance showed up uh, a few minutes later, I reported to the, the paramedic on the ambulance. I said, listen, you know, I think there's a possible concussion. Kids repeating his questions. And uh, the ambulance team that sort of saw the scene uh, he agreed with me, said, yeah, we definitely have to consider it, and we'll we'll let the doctors know when we get to the trauma center. The driver of the ambulance thought one step further and went up to the mother and pulled the mother aside for a second and said, listen, is is the kid on the spectrum? And the mother said, yeah. And I was... And then you turned around, around and, and like, like, why didn't you tell me? Like, <laughs> There's a whole different protocol of treating the kid. <laughs> so... I basically tried to get everyone to start to calm down, try and lower the noise in the room, allow the kid to apply the bandage himself as opposed to having me come and touch him. And it managed to calm down the scene quite significantly. Um, so those are things that are important to know. And, and this one actually wasn't my fault. I didn't miss that. I did ask the mom. I said, is there anything I should know before I started treating your son? And he, she said, no. So the mom really dropped the ball on that one. Uh, but it's definitely something to take into consideration when treating patients um, that you have to make sure of what they're proper mental status is and that you're treating them in the proper way that's appropriate for them. Well, at least that's a patient that's not throwing stuff at you. 
I mean, we all know the calls <laughs> of the mental status of the patients. Well, you know about their mental status as soon as you pull up in front of the building and you see things flying out of the window. <laughs> and then, and then you know, okay, um, th this is going to be an interesting one. And we need to wait for the police to show up. And, and you see the TVs flying out of the window and you see the clothing and, and chairs and whatnot. Um, and, and, and that's when you know, okay, safety. And, and you see all the neighbors all around pulling out their phones to take videos of this because you know this for sure will go viral. And then you just stand there sort of like, I can't even go upstairs. I yep. can't even approach this patient. And those are also, they happen in cases of violence also and a lot of domestic disputes that'll happen where people will be throwing things. Um, and you don't want to get in the middle of that as, as much as possible where you can. We're protecting your safety and well, I remember else's. years ago when I, uh, when I found myself running out of an apartment and plants in their, what do you call the, the, what the plants are in? Pots. It, plant pots chasing me and hitting the walls around me as I'm trying to escape the apartment. When you walk into the apartment, you're like, hello, we're here to help. And then you see a plant pot flying at you. And you're like, okay, okay I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Some cases uh, where it's like that. I, I remember actually I had one of those not so recent, not, uh, not so long ago myself where I pulled up to, uh, to the scene of, I was outside the apartment and this fellow had, uh, had bars on the window, as a lot of people do, is a second level house or second level apartment in a, in a building. And he was trying to throw things out the window, but he couldn't because the bars were in the way. <laughs> we that, that made it even ricocheting. more frustrating. That made it even more frustrating. He was, he was a very frustrated <laughs> customer. We, he, he tried to throw a chair out the window and it got stuck. So he had very little holes to throw things out. So we ended up going from like TVs and chairs and, and potted plants to, to, to plates because bowls wouldn't even fit out the window and cups and spoons and pieces of paper, whatever could fit through those bars. That's what he was checking out at us. Um, but yeah, those, those happen also, I guess they keep us on our toes. Those, those calls. Yeah. But actually I, I think, I think Rafael, that these calls are, are, are also give us like a fresh breath of air and, you know, and the routine of the, all the regular calls, the calls that can make you laugh. Now it's either because of the surreal situations or, um, or, or even reactions of patients to certain things um, that, that, that we're treating, things they say, things they do, and, and that you end up going with such a, a, a stomach ache from, from laughing on these calls. I mean, uh, we try not to do that in front of the patient. Of yeah, course, but sometimes, as much as possible. sometimes it's inevitable. I'll take you back to one call I had. This was, I don't know, a, a while back. I, I get called to uh, palpitations. Okay. And then we walk into the house. It must be three in the morning. And and the patient is like a 50-year-old female, uh, complaining of palpitations, um, a little bit of fatigue. Uh, we hook up the monitor, start taking vital signs. She's a, She has SVT. Okay, so um, we, were, we were trying to explain to her. Now, her son is standing there. He must be, I don't know, 20-something, 20, standing there, like really worried about her and everything. And we're, we're, you know, we're starting an IV line, taking the vital signs, um, you know, routine, uh, preparing ourselves to uh, to give her adenosine and and whatever. And we push that first dose and nothing. We try to explain to her, you know, you're going to feel really bad from this medication. It'll make you feel like you're dying, but don't worry, you're not. And we push the first dose and nothing. And the second dose and nothing. And the third dose and nothing. And, and I look at the other paramedic and they're like, and, and she's running a pace of like, I don't know, it must have been 200, 250. So, and she's symptomatic. She's, you know, she's like half, half fainted or okay, there's no choice. We're going to have to defer. We're going to have to shock her. 
Um, and and uh, so we, we start pushing like, you know, a sedative. And we're explaining to her that it'll put her a little bit to sleep and we'll give her the shock therapy and take her to the hospital, hopefully. And, and we're, we're pushing the first uh, um, dose of, of sedatives and she's not falling asleep. And we're pushing the second dose. She's like immune to all medications. She's immune and, and she's like immune <laughs> to everything. And her son is like really, really worried there. And then we're like, okay, I say, I, as I explained to her, listen, we're going to have to move forward. I put on the, the, the pads for the, for the defibrillation. And, and, and she's, she's not even falling. So she's just sitting there. Okay. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, just make this stop. I can't, I can hardly, I can hardly breathe anymore. So, so I, 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 I hook up the pads and then the other paramedic is like, I don't know, maybe six feet away from me with the monitor. And I told him, okay, listen, you, you'll, I'll, we'll count to three. You'll press the shock. I'll prepare her and we'll move on. So I say, okay, listen, ma'am, we're going to count to three and then you're going to get the shock. And then hopefully this, it'll all be behind us. So she says, okay, no problem. I go one and boom. He presses, <laughs> he presses the, the defibrillation. She goes screaming, ah! and then falls asleep. The son sees this, panics, runs out of the room, and the other paramedic next to me is on the floor laughing of the whole situation. Now, she's asleep on the couch now. Regular sinus rhythm now. Great. All okay. relaxed the sun. When we're going to treat the sun in the other room, that almost fainted because his mom just screamed like a, like 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 a, like a, we bring him out and she's like, and then she falls asleep after the shock. Anyway, all's well. It ends well. She wakes up a few minutes later, feeling fine. You know, we just take it to the ER afterwards for for. For a monitoring observation, observation. Yeah. and the son is like, "Oh, thank you," but full of anxiety, like he just witnessed the most horrific scene. And boy, did I let my colleague paramedic have it for that surprise! Boy, did I let him have it! But we had a good laugh. Well, it's always important to, uh, I guess, reflect. I guess for our own, even our own mental health, is to reflect on these these stories a little bit and uh, and and recognize uh, a that we're we're helping people, and b yeah. Sometimes we get into funny situations. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I had that. We all, we've all had that patient that made a run for it. I'm sure. I'm sure you all know it. Um, except there's there are those who make the run for it when you're in the house, and that's one thing. But there are those who make the run for it when you're in the ambulance, and you're in traffic, lights and sirens on the way to the hospital, and they'll just get up, rip the monitor cables off of them, and run for the back door, and you're like, huh, no. And and drive and the driver slams on the brakes and the guy literally in a gown, backside totally uncovered. Okay, opens the back door and makes a run for it. And you're like in the middle of traffic with cars that pulled over to the right and to the left for the sirens that you were that we were that, that we had going. And this guy goes running naked out of the ambulance down the road. And you're like, oh what? So did, did you go after him? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and then he's in the paramedic is, is like out of these, is, it's like out of one of these cartoons. You're literally, the, the rig is like in the middle of two lanes, cars on both sides. 
and a naked guy is running for for dear life and we're running after him with the, with the monitors and equipment and you're like wow nobody will believe me i sure hope somebody's videoing this and there probably is usually uh that's modern world i guess um, now we're day and age. Now we're day Everyone, age. you get to the calls and everybody's got their phones out taking videos instead of helping the people. Yeah. Um, what I'd, uh, uh, not quite on the same level, but uh, last week there was, there was a fellow here in Jerusalem on, on Yafo Street. There was a guy who uh, a call came out as, uh, as uh, an unconscious person uh, on the street. Uh, so suspicion of life and a show up person's completely unconscious on the bench and I wasn't the first responder there. I was, I was coming from a little further away. The other responders are, you know, someone's doing blood pressure. Someone's trying to wake the guy up in different ways. And, and, uh, when we get to the, the blood sugar, someone pokes his finger and the guy suddenly sits up and he starts screaming at us. He's like, what are you doing? And we're all like, well, you're unconscious. He's like, no, I was taking a nap. Get out of, <laughs> get out of my well, at nap, Well, he knows man. his blood sugar level. <laughs> we didn't get that yet because he didn't let us finish the test. That's but coincidental. But there, and, there, and, then coincidental. There, and then there are those, the frequent flyers, the frequent flyers that we all know those that you get called. They're always on the same corner. Uh, I think it was one of the movies. It was, uh, I, I think it was the, um, what movie was it? Can't remember. That was Mr. O. That the frequent flyer, we all have them, and you pull up next to them, and they'll get up from the bench, they'll open the back door to the ambulance, they'll get on themselves, they'll sit themselves down on the stretcher, put their seatbelt on, and and, <laughs> and even ask for the form, and we'd give them the form to fill out themselves, basically. Um, so yeah, we we have those, and and then we have those that that uh, you know OD, and that um, you're always thinking twice. Should we push the Narcane now or push it on the entrance to the ER? Always entrance to the ER. There's, I don't know why there's a question on that one. Otherwise, they If they're going to survive to the ER, just do it right when you get there. Give them one. Push them out of the ambulance. And Otherwise, they tear it. apart your ambulance. Let them let them finish it off there. It's one of those things they don't tell you. It's like it's like back in the old days. I was trained with um, with CPR. I think I told, tell, I don't remember if I told the story or not. I was trained to CPR when we were supposed to do mouth to mouth back. It was back in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, and I was in grade school and we get to the, uh, the basic EMS training and they say, oh, yeah, you do CPR, you do a couple, you know, 30 compressions, two breaths. Great. So I actually had to do it once when I was when I was 15 and, and uh, at a pool, there was a case of drowning. Um, so I actually did it and they don't tell you the person throws up in your mouth when they get there and it's really gross. Oh, um, oh. things they don't tell you. So no, when, when we were trained, they never, no one ever told us that, you know, when you give them the first dose of Narcan, the person's going to wake up and tear apart your ambulance. They let you figure that out. That's sort of like, you know, I guess part of the hazing rituals for rookies. Excuse me, is rookies and probies. <laughs> it's rookies and when probies. When I was a, a rookie, a probie, a paramedic uh, 20 years ago, um, uh, for sure. That's one of the first things they teach you is the the experienced paramedic sits aside and lets you do your thing and then pay the price <laughs> it's not a teaching thing it's uh it's they let it happen thing it's that joke of like the first shift every time so we were talking about uh different stories uh involving i guess interesting occurrences uh we had one recently uh in my home in, in the town where i live in Efrat. Where uh, we had a, a, one of our frequent flyers, as you mentioned, frequent flyers that came to mind. And one of our frequent flyers was um, 
And we get there and he's like, yes, this is what I have. This is what, this is my history. This is my everything. And we're like, yeah, we know. He's like, so what are you feeling today? And he said, I feel like I need to go to hospital. I'm having shortness of breath. Um, fine. So we give him some oxygen. We get him on the, on the gurney. We start going out to, to the, um, to the ambulance, but there's a bunch of stairs there. We need to get the patient across and this rather hefty fellow. Um, and there were only, uh, we only had, had, uh, it was a team of an ambulance, which was the driver and, and a paramedic who was female and said she can't really lift. But that met the rule of the patients are always, it's a math uh, equation of the more the patient weighs, the higher up they live. And the odds are the elevator does not work or does not exist. Right. Well, in this case, it was lower they lived, and we had to take the stairs back up to street level. But yeah. Um, and so we're looking around, and it was the driver of the ambulance, myself, and and a relatively uh, smaller EMT who wasn't the best at lifting. So I looked at the uh, I looked at the driver of the ambulance. He looked at me. He said, "Is there anyone else you can call? Any of the other volunteers in the neighborhood who can call can come." So I put a call out on the radio. And I said, you know, if any other volunteers are available at the time, uh, please come and assist. We have we need a we need a lift assist here. Um, so, a good friend of mine uh, who happens to be a power lifter, uh, <laughs> as she gets on I the radio, I can see where this is going. <laughs> she gets on the radio and she's like, "Well, I can come. Do you want? Do you need my help?" And I said, "Please." Um, so she shows up at the scene, and the first thing the ambulance driver says is like, "I thought you were calling another guy," and I'm like. Listen, buddy, I know who I called. He's like, no, but we need a man here. A woman's not going to be able to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like I, I looked at her and she looked at me. I'm like, little does he know. <laughs> Anyways, she pushed out the other EMT, took one half of the gurney by herself, and me and the driver were struggling through the other half. And she's picking up and she's like, what's the problem, guys? <laughs> throws the patient at us as we're going up the stairs. She took, she took the bottom part. <laughs> I was like, Carrying up the stairs, most of the weight's down by her. And she's like, yep, let's keep going. Faster is better. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't judge. <laughs> don't judge. Don't ever judge. Uh, so the paramedic learned his lesson. And afterwards, he's like, okay, I won't ever say that again. <laughs> Not the paramedic, he, said the driver. He, the he, le he learned his lesson. He learned his lesson, the driver. He's like, oh. And now whenever we meet at, the, at an, another emergency, he gives her away and lets her do all the lifting. She swings the patients up in the air and basically... Can take, can take some us, of the other leaves EMTs us, with us. Leaves us all in the dust. Yes, very much so. Um, so I guess we say, like we mentioned before on previous podcasts, don't assume. Let's get back to the basics. Make sure you know your patient's history. You have the OPQRST stuff down. You do all the checks you need to be because until you negate one of the uh, the causes of white might be the injury at the time, you don't necessarily know that you can cross that off the list. So make sure you know what you're doing and you have all the information that you need. And also learn to appreciate those fun moments <laughs> that, that let us keep going. Absolutely. Give us a good laugh and, 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 and let us do our job as best as we can. And, and find the enjoyment in our job. Every job has enjoyment in it as well. And, and whether it's camaraderie between people who are on the ambulance with you or sharing that shift with you in the rig uh, or fellow responders or even some of the people at the scene or there's going to be other first responders from police or fire or, or even people at the scene trying to help. It's, it's life itself. It's life itself. Uh, so enjoy it. Enjoy your time. Uh, enjoy it and do good things. Help people out there. Keep doing the amazing work you're doing and we'll do our best over here. <laughs> Signing out for this time. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>